pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. What is a monument? A monument is a physical commemoration of a person, an event, or an ideal. Some examples include statues of leaders, war memorials, or tribute to abstract concepts like the Statue of Liberty. While monuments are like history books that call people to remember what came before, they are not created in a way that can be easily lost to time. Monuments are created to not only be visible, but conspicuous, demanding recognition and a response to what they glorify. And that's the biggest difference between history books and monuments. While history books serve to document the past for people to study and learn from, monuments go a step beyond by sharing pieces of the past its creators intended to glorify. To visit a monument is to have a conversation with the past. By acknowledging it, you learn from its creators and benefactors not only what they valued, but also what they believe should be valued for eternity. Early in the biblical narrative, we are introduced to a man who built a monument after being visited by God in a dream. Let's read about the creation of this monument in Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. In this account, Jacob built a monument to commemorate God's appearing to him in a dream, as well as God's extension of the promises given to Abraham and Isaac before him. It's unlikely that Jacob would ever forget this dream, and God does not forget either. Which leads us to ask, who was this monument intended for? The answer is the same for any monument that's built. Those that live after first-hand witnesses and participants. Time erodes memories in a way that 
elements erode footprints in the sand. For them to retain their power, new generations need to make these memories their own. To address this, people create monuments to not only serve as custodians of the values they want to pass down, but as a means of offering others a chance to champion the values for themselves. When Jacob built the stone pillar, he benefited from the desire to share God's purpose, presence, and care in his life with others. God himself was glorified in the monument because it championed his ultimate purpose for the whole earth to be filled with his glory. Though both God and Jacob benefited from the monument, it was intended for others who needed to learn and appreciate why God was worthy of being commemorated and glorified. It's no coincidence that God later commanded Jacob to dwell in Bethel with his wives, servants, and children. By living in the place where God came to Jacob in a dream, Jacob's entire household could notice this monument, remember God's promise to be active and present in their lives, and become personally invested in God. In early history, stone monuments helped to show others where God was active in the lives of his people. In an age where God's activity isn't obvious to others, what kind of monument is he looking for? The beautiful thing about monuments is that while they can be memorials, they aren't always. You see, memorials can only commemorate the past, the people, and the events that fade from living memory. God is not constrained to the past, but he is working in the present and will continue to work in the future. In other words, the only monument that shows our God is a living and active God is one that is also living and active itself. In Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses asked God to show him his glory. God responded that he would declare his name and cause his goodness to pass before him. But that goodness was not contained in his image or in a kingdom. Instead, God revealed his living and active character in Exodus 34, verses 5 through 8. The Lord ascended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Though God has been present and active throughout the history of humanity, he recognized that people needed something physical that glorified his ideals. So he sent the world his son, who perfectly manifested the character God proclaimed to Moses on Mount Sinai. Through the Lord Jesus, God established and is continuously building a living monument to glorify his name. This monument is designed to show everyone who God is, the wonderful things he has done, and his plan for the whole world. This living monument is the household of the saints, and we are the stones God is using to build it. Like a monument built by human hands, we are meant to not only be visible but conspicuous to others. 
A reflection of God's character should be obvious to all who see us. We aren't meant to merely be words in a legal document. Rather, we should be what Paul encouraged the believers at Corinth to be in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Monuments are not neutral documents like history books. They challenge people to take a side on the legacies of people, events, and ideals. In the same manner, our efforts to channel the example of our Lord should challenge people about what they glorify. Do we help people celebrate God with our actions? Are we faithful representations of what He wants for the earth? Are we challenging people to engage with us and learn about God through our words and behavior? Every day, we get a new chance to glorify God. Let's make today the day where we consciously connect with others that need God's presence in their lives. Let's make today the day we shine God's light into the lives of those that don't know him. To conclude our thoughts, let's reflect on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-9. through 9. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to thank you for listening to another devotion on Pause to Consider. If you found this devotion helpful, please share it with your friends or with your loved ones. And if you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to Pause to Consider on Apple Podcasts or your preferred streaming platform, where you can also leave ratings and reviews to help others find this devotion podcast more easily. And if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. But above all else, I want this podcast to be helpful for you. And I pray that God will be with you until we meet again, whether it's on our next episode or in God's kingdom. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pause to Consider. I'm Levi, and I wanted to be sure you've heard about a few other podcasts in the WCF network. I am actually one of the co-hosts on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. That's A Little Faith. Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships in From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or our website, wcfoundation.com dot org slash podcasts. Have a great week.